Hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman, and this is an episode of Ask the Analyst. This is one of our extended series, and typically it's Coop Coopersmith, the B2T training, and myself, and we do a 90-minute segment. But today, you have myself, Jacqueline Sanders Blackman, and I'll just be doing about a 30-minute segment. I'm going to dive right into the topic, which is Agile and the whole implementation of what we know as Agile. Now, it's, it's very interesting because I teach a, a boot camp through B2T training, and a lot of the questions I get, I like to use those on the actual podcast because typically when one or two people start asking the, the question, someone out there also might be having the same question in the back of their mind. Now, let's start with the basics. People first ask me, is Agile a methodology? And for me, it's very clear that it's not a methodology. Remember, a methodology that's processes and, and steps and procedures and that are repeatable. Whereas with Agile, not only are you developing the software in a flexible way, but even the process and the approach can be flexible. Now, that's what I call Big A Agile, because Big A Agile really is, at the heart of it, just aligning your approach with the Agile Manifesto. So you can clearly go to the Agile Manifesto, and they refer to those as principles and values. Now, when it comes to methodologies, how you actually implement those values, that's when we talk about Scrum or Kanban or SAFE. Those are flavors of how you can implement Agile. But this is why I am perfectly open and even encourage hybrids because those don't have to be the only way. They don't own the approach to Agile. They're just recommending some practices that have worked in some environments. So that's why people might pick and choose between a Kanban and an Agile or Scrum or even borrowing pieces from Waterfall. So you have hybrid names like Wagile and Scrumbon. Um, one of my favorites, I, just for a chuckle, uh, one of my students said that they call theirs Fragile because they're in the early stages of Agile. Now, so that said, I just wanted to uh, respond to, again, a, a question I, I get from students from time to time, whether Agile is a method. But pushing all that aside, spending more time talking about whether it's a methodology or not really doesn't get to the heart of how to be successful in Agile. One of the things is I know that a lot of people, and I'll tell you why, just me mentioning the fact and saying that Agile is not a methodology. It's important only because people, when you think of it as a methodology, they think that it's just simple to go out and take a training class, teach everybody from, or have everyone read from the same book, or in some extreme cases, even watch a couple of YouTube videos, and then go back to their desk and be Agile. 
that if it was a methodology, that's possible because you have a set of procedures that you're supposed to follow all the time. And if you follow those and follow the checklist, then you're implementing the methodology. Agile, when you talk about the principles and the mindset, then it's not so simple to just read something or watch something and mimic it and say that you're agile. Agile, when you have to deal with values and principles that are typically very different than what that environment currently does, then you have to change people's mindsets and attitudes. And it takes a lot more than just sitting in a training class. Now, I'm a trainer. I train people in corporate America. So I'm speaking from experience. I don't present Agile the way I present other topics. If I were presenting Six Sigma and I was showing you forms and formulas, I teach Six Sigma very different than I do Agile. Now with Agile, it's about an experience, a team experience, a team building experience. People have to get used to each other's working styles, communication styles, and a lot of times you run into either disconnects or conflicting styles. And I, as a instructor, have to observe those and give feedback right when it's happening. I bring those to people's attention. So I build exercises in my boot camp, my Agile boot camp, so that I can see these behaviors come out. And I do it in a way that it makes people chuckle when I do point them out. Because if you ask them on the surface, you know, are they good communicators? Are they collaborative? Do they work well in the team? They'll say yes across the board. But there's those other latent behaviors, especially when you put a little bit of pressure on people. So in some of my boot camp exercises, I'm timing things and I'm rushing them along. And that's when the real personalities come out. So that said, you know, when people leave class, it's very common in Agile. We're hearing a lot now about people going out and getting Agile coaches. Well, this is, this is great. A coach is someone that can observe and give you feedback, help you get back aligned and on track. Someone that's there every day, real time, interacting with the, the team. Now, that's someone different than your scrum master. Your scrum master is also shepherding the team. They're protecting the team. But sometimes a coach is kind of a neutral party that can even observe to make sure that the, the scrum master is on track. So all of this is great. You have the team, which by and large should be self-organized and empowered. So you don't want neither your scrum master or your coach telling them how to solve problems. They should observe and give feedback and input, but let the team actually solve the problem. That's very important and very different from a project manager. As a matter of fact, most of the time, the scrum masters and the coach should be protecting the team from that old school project management approach where someone comes in and solves the problems. I'm looking for the project managers, the scrum masters to actually protect the team, let them do their work, and then if there are outside forces that are a threat to the team, deal with those. 
So that's dealing with things like coordinating schedules with the neighbors or shared services or coordinating dependencies with other agile teams. So very little on a day-to-day should a coach and or a project manager ever be interacting with the, the team in a way that they are either asking them for statuses or telling them what should be accomplished. So with that said, you know, I've watched teams, I've watched coach interactions, I've, you know, tracked them over time to see how they're doing as far as adjusting to the agile culture. And every now and then, you really run into someone that is just very resistant. It's not a matter of them not understanding Agile or not having taken the the courses. Maybe they're even participating in the ceremonies. But at the heart of it all, they haven't really completely bought into Agile. They're not completely vested in the success of Agile. And so they may be passive aggressive, they may be, but indirectly they're undermining. And we always, we all know, we've heard the, the concept on teams where you had that, that one bad apple, that toxic attitude. Well, they find their way into agile as well. And one of the things that, um, concerns me is that with Agile and you're working in short sprints and and making commitments in short term and two week type increments, you really have to address and nip those bad behaviors, those bad attitudes very early on because it's going to throw the, the team off. It's going to throw team morale off. And what's so important about Agile is that the belief that If you have a motivated, excited, and empowered team, you're going to get quality software. So what's the opposite? If you have a team where that bad attitude, that bad, um, the, the, you know, the bad vibes are permeating the team, then you're going to get just the opposite. And furthermore, it's not going to be sustainable. Once there's cracks in the team, eventually people are going to be looking for ways to leave, get out, just get away from it as quickly as possible. And I know this to be true because this is when I start hearing people talk about how agile doesn't work or agile won't work in our environment. And then when I get them to talk about the symptoms they're having, it becomes clear to me that they're trying to treat it like a methodology, something that they just implement through different ceremonies and procedures. And they're not looking at the healthy mindset of the team. Now, I'll quickly tell you what, what creates a healthy mindset of a team. It takes honesty, open communication. It takes addressing the bad behaviors quickly. When a team sees that they are empowered to address those bad behaviors, then they really start to see a difference in the agile culture. So, and and one of the things is, is that uh, I sometimes hear is when 
people do see certain bad behaviors, those bad behaviors existed in waterfall. And when I say bad behaviors, I'm talking about people who are finger pointers or they're always naysayers or doubting the system or undermining someone's authority or even bullying team members. These are the types of bad behaviors that have to be addressed. Now, either the team themselves should be the first point of intervention. Yes, just like when you have someone that might have a, a personal problem and it gets so bad that you see it affecting them and even you and your relationship, you have an intervention with them. These are very extreme cases. The same thing goes with the Agile team. And like I said, you have to do it early on. So if you see someone that is bullying or using behavior that, again, stifles other members or makes other members not feel equal on the team or, or taking a, a position of authority. Uh, another way of putting it is someone that has a big ego. And, uh, and some of the people who have a big ego are those people who, in their mind, have had previous agile experience or training. So therefore, their opinion counts more than the other team members. That in, in and of itself can also be a behavior where there needs to be an intervention. One of the things I say to my teams is no one owns the definition of agile. It's about what works well and best for the team. And if one team member is uncomfortable, then the whole team should find a way until there's a 100% consensus on the team. These are small teams, so it shouldn't be that hard. If you tell me that you have a, a it's, it's hard because you have a big team, maybe your team is too big. We're talking about teams of 8 to 10 people. That's something else that sometimes uh, slips by. I, I find people, they start talking about their agile team and it being dysfunction. And recently I was talking to someone. I said, now tell me how many people are on your team. And they said 30. So it's much harder to implement that intimate, caring, healthy team when you're that big. So the big takeaway from this is Sometimes you need to pause and what I label the agile timeout and really evaluate the relationships, the relationship of the team, the relationship of the team with the scrum master, the relationship of the coach to both of those parties, and then also the relationship of any project management that also might be lingering. That then talks about the relationship with your special services and neighbors. Now, sometimes as you start looking at this ecosystem that has an impact on the success of an agile project, sometimes you need an intervention from within. Sometimes you need an intervention without. An intervention without is what I call bringing in a referee. Now, I'm going to pause there, let you marinate on that, and say stay tuned for another upcoming episode of Ask the Analyst, a full feature episode, including Coop Cooper Smith. And thank you for always checking in with us here at Technology Expresso. That's all for today.